Fusion Patrol is a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can help support us at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. This is the Fusion Patrol podcast. Each week, we look at a different science fiction TV episode or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm John. And tonight we're going to be starting a new series here on Fusion Patrol. Tonight we're going to be looking at the 1987 BBC science fiction police drama Star Cops. Episode 1, An Instinct for Murder. The year is 2027, and two events far, far apart seem to parallel one another. A man is swimming in a pond in England, while in orbit near the Charles de Gaulle space station, another man is on a spacewalk. Both are taken unaware by two assailants and killed. On Earth, Police Chief Superintendent Nolan Spring has suspicions about the drowning case. The computer has ruled that it is likely an accident, but his instinct for murder tells him it may be something more. He pushes his underling, Brian Lincoln, to investigate further. Spring's boss, however, doesn't seem to like him, nor does he wish to waste time and resources on a case that the computer has determined to be an accident. He orders them off the case. On the space station, flight engineer David Thoreau is also a part-time star cop, and he thinks there's something fishy about the recent death of the spacewalker. It was deemed an accidental malfunction of the suit's backpack, but his instinct for murder is telling him otherwise. Spring has been maneuvered into applying for the job of commander of the Star Cops, a.k.a. the International Space Police Force, a job he doesn't want, and his boss is going to make sure he gets it. Spring disobeys orders and orders Lincoln to continue the investigation, while Spring takes astronaut training and then an inspection tour of the Charles de Gaulle. While there, Lincoln turns up clues, and Spring presses him to continue investigating. In addition to meeting David Thoreau and discussing his doubts about the spacewalk accident, he also meets David's friend, the flight controller. There's also a popular politician on the station who goes for a spacewalk. He, too, dies from a mysterious backpack failure, and uproar on Earth begins. The Russians have a lucrative contract to maintain all the suit backpacks, and there are calls to break the contract and award it to someone else. To his chagrin, Spring, although he has not actually been offered the job, gets assigned to investigate the death. He explains to David that the reason he thought the case on Earth was murder is because the body was too perfectly placed so that it appeared exactly as an accident, a technique professional killers use to fool the computer analysis into making a determination of accidental death. After the information provided by David, he thinks something similar is happening up here. The suits all appear to be well-maintained and should have a 0% failure rate. People are killing 2% of the spacewalkers at a consistent interval to make the occasional murder, when necessary, indistinguishable from the background noise. 
As part of his training, Spring must learn to spacewalk, and against David's recommendations, he decides to go for a solo spacewalk before he's fully ready. But he admonishes David to keep a close eye out for anything approaching him. In the control room, it dawns on David, nothing can happen out there without the flight controller seeing it. Therefore, his friend, the flight controller, must be involved. Realization comes too late, though. The gun at the back of his head stops him from warning Spring that two blips are approaching him on the radar. A dead spaceman is seen floating away. Now David must be disposed of. The flight controller takes him to the airlock, where he plans to stage an accident. But Spring, hiding in a spacesuit, cobbles the villain. He had already disposed of the two killers with a medical laser, because he had been expecting them. It's revealed that a corporation was behind it, because they would have benefited financially from unpleasantries. Back on Earth, with a job well done, Spring gets a surprise. He's been given command of the Star Cops. He refuses, but his boss makes it plain to him. You take it, or you're finished here. Lincoln, who did such a great job solving the drowning murder, has been promoted to his old job, and while they can't fire Spring, they could find him some work in data processing if he doesn't go. Cornered, Spring takes command of the Star Cops, but he knows it won't be easy. End of the synopsis. All right, um... Prior to preparations for this, did you have any advanced uh, knowledge of Star Cops in any way? No, not at all. No. None whatsoever. (laughs) I knew it existed. And... Okay, yeah. I did know it existed. So, yeah, there there was that. But... But I had no idea what what it was about other than, well, it's probably cops in space. (laughs) Well, it does what it says on the tin, apparently. Uh... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, going to hand it to him for that. So, I, you know, I think both of us coming in cold. What do you think of the episode? Um, you know, I'm not particularly fond of murder mysteries, but uh, this one was all right. It did have a lot of, uh, you know, uh, exposition trying to figure out what's going on mm-hmm. and giving him an actual reason to be in space. Yes. Uh, which, you know, was nice, I guess. I mean, it's, you know, just having him you know, get thrown into a shuttle and launched into orbit and expected to do his duties is, you know, kind of a little far-fetched. It's nice that they actually had to have him, you know, prepare a little bit. Go do some training. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're going to be sent to an, uh, uh, you know, a, a deep sea research facility that's, you know, two miles into the ocean, they're not going to just throw you into a sub and say, okay, have some fun down there. Yep. It'll be fine. It'll be yeah, fine. Yeah. 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 Here, read this. Uh, you read the safety, uh, the flyer on the back of the uh, the seat in front of you. <laughs> and remember, if you don't feel safe in the exit aisle, someone else can take your chair. Yeah, right. Uh, Speak up for heaven's sakes. Yeah, I, I I can be a fan of a mystery or a cop drama, although it's not typically my thing. But you know. Get me a, a good episode of Columbo or something, and I can I can enjoy it. It, it but it has to be a well written one. So, right. Um, I I generally enjoyed the episode. I had some issues with parts of it. A lot of them were technical, uh, and I don't mean technical like oh, that's not how you fly in space. But I mean like <laughs> they talk over each other too much. I had some I had some real problems understanding 
some of the dialogue. And I don't know if maybe I'm just my hearing is failing or the fact that the way they were talking and the way they would stage the shots with it, it just didn't it didn't just come off natural and it didn't I didn't I don't think I missed anything particularly important but there were just times when I would be listening to it and I would go like I think I, I feel like I missed 20% of what happened in that scene so yeah I I, I think I, I kind of got a little bit of that too um, it's almost as if Whoever is doing the sound recording for the series, I, I don't. Yeah, they didn't set stuff up right. I'm, I'm not sure, but it just wasn't as. It was mostly in the control room. Yeah, it wasn't as crisp and distinct as you'd you'd wish the dialogue to be. Maybe it's because they were shooting in space and sound doesn't travel through a vacuum, and so therefore, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, the audio guy had, had nothing, nothing to, to do. do. They, they, right. they had to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. What I did, and we'll talk a little bit about the show itself in, in, in a bit, but what I did really, really like, and again, this is probably because I'm in the computer game, <laughs> I really liked the idea of burying, of staging the crimes in such a way that you could bury the evidence in such a way that the computer would not see it. Yeah. Yeah, that was nice. I, I like that. I don't know if it's true thinking about it but of course then we don't have computers that can analyze a crime and make a determination so you know that's more of an ai thing right but it was reasonably convincing when um uh spring said you know this is a trick professional killers use right that they staged the crime so that it fits the profile that a computer would think was an accident i mean that's really no different than in an episode of Columbo, where the murderer tries to stage the crime, the accident, right, or, or look you know, like an accident, stray random yeah, killing exactly. by a vagrant or something, but you know anything but I, the person Columbo's latched onto, is guilty. Yeah, right. Something that is is possibly statistically plausible as a uh, you know an accident or a misadventure. Yeah. So that part. You know, makes sense. They're doing exactly what professional killers have been doing all along, in in fiction anyway, which is trying to make it look like an accident. And now they've got, you know, I could even see if you could get hold of a copy of the police computer operating system that you could literally run your crimes yep. through the computer oh, yes. and test out the scenarios and say, oh, this is going to work. That's not going to work. What's going to trip us up? And then plot your crime accordingly. So that is yep. a, a flaw and why we won't be using police detectives, um, Holmes and Yo-Yo. It's not going to happen <laughs> anytime soon. Oh, there's a darn. There's an obscure reference for some listeners of the podcast. I have such hopes. <laughs> Look it up, Holmes and Yo-Yo, and, but don't watch and, it. And Look other it up, listeners are, it. yeah, are are quite fortunate not to understand what we just talked about. Oh yeah, no, 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 definitely not. Now, what I thought was even more interesting was if I took correctly what they were saying, and I did recap it this way in my in my recap, but. I could see how you could be trying to come up, you could try to make it another way, is that they were essentially creating an artificial 2% failure rate. Yes. 
And the intent of that was that when they actually needed to murder somebody, so they were killing people just to keep the numbers up. Right. And then periodically they'd kill somebody they needed to kill. Exactly. Exactly. And bury it in the statistics. Exactly. Exactly. They get the order out. Someone needs a killing. Oh, and no problem. That is a fascinating idea. (laughs) And that's novel. It is uh, rather dark. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, granted, I already admitted that I'm not a big fan of murder mysteries and stuff, but I have never heard of that sort of uh, methodical homicide. Yeah, I've never heard of anything like that. A sustained homicide before. (laughs) It's like, oh, wow, that's actually pretty good. Hmm. Now, one of the things that I do know about this show, supposedly, is that they tried to make the murders in some way, or crimes, they're not all murders, it's not a murder mystery, um, in some way related to it being in space. So, like, technology presents you with different opportunities for crime, and they kind of wanted to go with that. So maybe that's where they came up with this idea. Right. But, you know, it, and it's just a hop, skip, and a jump, too, isn't it? To, if you could start doing that in space, and it starts working for the professional hitman up there, then they might start doing it down on the Earth. It's like, you know what we need? We need at least one person a month dying in a bicycle accident so that when we need to kill someone, we'll have bicycle accident available. Right. Or they just run the numbers and say, okay, here's uh, the most probable way of somebody going to be dying in the near future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that sort of stuff. Uh, you can probably do that today with a good actuarial table from an uh, don't, insurance don't, company. Don't tell people that. <laughs> like, that's, that's. Oh, right. No, right. No. no, no, no. That <laughs> cannot be fiction. done. No, oh. that's, that's totally. Um, that's totally. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yep. So I, I totally, Talking about science sorry. fiction yep. here. Yep. None of that. None of that. Don't don't let people from the actuarial guild find yep. out that you gave that information out. Oh. Ooh, always yeah. be nice Very, to actuarial always. people. Um, <laughs> well, well, we've. Well, let's yeah, go after nice the Scientologist next. No, no. <laughs> mm, I have no idea what you said. There's just a burst of static. Um. <laughs> But the Xenolite's flashing. Oh, no. Made in 1987. Oh, we'll that later. Chris Boucher. Yep. I think that's how you pronounce it. I assume it's Chris Boucher. Um, every time I see a name like that, I think it might be French. And you go like, is it Boucher? But I think it's Boucher. Uh, written for Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Written for Bergerac. Uh, I think actually he may have been script editor on Bergerac. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, yeah, not a series I'm familiar did, with, but- Script editor, yeah, I'm pretty sure script editor on Blake 7 for, I think, the whole run Oh wow! of the show. In fact, a lot of people attribute Blake 7's whip, uh, whip smart, smart-alecky dialogue to him. Hmm. You know, it's Terry Nation's series, and Terry Nation wrote, you know, like every episode of the first season, but the script editor polished them. Right. And... Uh, that has been attributed to his hand, the, 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 the snappy dialogue in the show. Because that's not really a hallmark of Terry Nation's work uh, over the years. And so, you know, he's, a, he's an accomplished, 
he's an accomplished writer. He's been science fiction. He's been detective. He wanted to make something that kind I think this was originally, I think he originally pitched the idea back in the early 80s as a radio show. Hmm. I can see that. And which, you know, again, I think this has been brought up before on the show. Uh, There's not a whole lot of radio drama in the United States, so it's much more common medium. Yeah. Over there. So, you know, that's not, that doesn't necessarily sound, you know, over here, it's kind of sounds like you're pitching something desperately that, you know, can't be made into a TV show, but over there, it's legitimate. (laughs) uh, Oh yeah. They're quite good. I've listened to quite a few of those. Very nice. It was, uh, it was a Rocky, Rocky production. He and the uh, producer did not get along on the show. So there was this, we may or may not see the evidence of that Mm. as we go along. I'm not sure, but because I have not seen any other episodes in this very first one. The character of Nathan Spring, played by David Calder, which apparently we're not the only people to notice that the actor David Calder's name sounds very much like the character of the commander in Moonbase 3 of David Calder. <laughs> Spelled differently, but... Um, <laughs> it's just a weird accident, I'm sure. It is. It's completely a weird accident. Uh, apparently, he's not even... That's not the kind of actor that Boucher was looking for. He wanted somebody who was, like, in his 30s. Oh. Who was super hot shot, on the rise kind of detective. Oh, really? And wow. which may explain the whole antagonism between his commander and him. It could have been one of those, like, I see this guy is hungry and looking for my job and I need to get rid of him. Yeah. Having an older actor in, in the, uh, the potential usurpers role. You don't get that. I didn't get that at all. I couldn't figure out what the antagonism was. I kind of figured that his boss wanted to put him up there because possibly his boss wanted somebody who was, British to be the head of the Star Cops or something like that. Like maybe he was seeing this position as a way for him to better himself somehow. I'm not, I'm not sure. Well, I guess that's possible. I, I saw it as antagonism. I saw it as he doesn't like this guy. Really? I'm getting rid okay. of you. Oh. And that's, that's the end of the line. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't see it as he was doing anything other than just trying to get rid of somebody he didn't like. And so, but you know, there's nothing there to tell us. I mean, he guy's obviously good at his job, right? So, why would you want to get rid of him unless you're afraid that he's too good at his job, which could be the case. Uh, while I'm talking about the commander, yes, I think it's interesting that neither the commander nor the flight controller appear to have had names. They they didn't even they didn't even get names in the credits. They were called commander. A controller. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of odd. I thought I had missed it at some point where huh. it called, and I. Wow. You know, in all that dialogue that was going on between David yeah. and the flight controller that I missed because there was the audio thing going on, but I couldn't find, I couldn't find a name for him anywhere except for flight controller and commander. Yeah. So, which is interesting. I. You would think that the guy trying to do the killing should at least have a name, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of odd. I totally missed the, uh, in the recap, the synopsis of his girlfriend. Um, obviously, that's not going anywhere. 
No, no, unless she decides she's going to go into space herself, which I kind of doubt. I yeah, that's a space is a not the kind of place you want to raise a family. I wasn't going to go there. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's clear that the two of them are thinking about getting married or moving in together and starting a family, and yeah. he is utterly clueless about her. Uh, yes, uh, continuously going to a restaurant that she really doesn't like. like. It's a good sign. That's a great sign. And uh, yeah, so I don't I don't think we're going to see her again. I think that was the Are you sure he's not going to commute to uh, to home on the weekends. <laughs> I don't know. It, it did seem like he was able to flip up and back down to the mo- or the, the space station pretty simply. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it did sound like they had multiple ships from the surface all the time arriving yeah. very know, busy day yeah and that there was three four who knows how many space stations out there my understanding i think there's five yeah you know i i i have read something about the show and i think there are five space stations and a moon base huh and possibly even a mars colony interesting because this is the year 2027, and so, you know, by the time 2027 gets here, we will be well up to that point in space travel. Ooh, maybe we'll go there in the series. At, which is pretty good that they did that even after we lost the moon just... Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm you know, 28 years earlier. Um, yeah, we're very resilient. We are. Apparently, they found another moon to put a base on, yes. We built another one, yes. Well, it turned out the first one was actually an egg. And uh, when it left, then a new one got hatched uh, or laid, and yeah. Oh, there you go. Right. There's that. We we stole one from another dimension, <laughs> or another copy of our moon just appeared from another dimension. What a great idea! We lose our moon, so we steal somebody else's. I think that'd be a, make a great story. Um, there we go. Darn those aliens! They're going to come looking for us. Sure, why not? Long as you don't have the same theme music as this series had on it. Okay, I take it you're not a fan. No, no, not at all. Nope, nope, nope. In fact, I uh, I mute it. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to ask you about that when the when the music. It's apparently um, I actually have this uh, written down. Um, this is from Wikipedia because it's too painful to commit to memory. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> um, per, per Wikipedia, this yeah. is this is a quote. Reaction to the music and Hayward's song in particular has generally been negative. <laughs> SFX Magazine, in particular, has been highly critical of the theme tune. In one issue, it was placed 29th in a list article titled The 50 Worst Things About Sci-Fi Ever, wow. while in another, it was placed 6th in a list article titled The 10 Worst Things About UK Telefantasy. Writer and critic Kim Newman has described the theme as the worst single <laughs> theme tune of any TV show ever. Must Chris Boucher Enterprise. has said that he hated the music. The incidental music wasn't appropriate, and he didn't have the style and feeling it should have had. Now, oh, that's dead on. I will say, when it started up, I instantly recognized it as the Moody Blues. Is that what it was? It was. It, well, it's Justin Hayward. I'm not familiar with the lead singer of the Moody Blues, Uh, but just the sound and the the tone. It's like, oh, it's the Moody Blues. Wow, that's a bit of a that's a bit of a coup. Um, I don't mind it. Um, It doesn't fit the show. 
Right. No. But then neither does the theme song to Enterprise. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. I I didn't think that was a great uh, great bit of. It just seems like a poor choice. But if either. I heard it come on the radio, I wouldn't go like, oh, 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 oh no, oh, no. no. So I just, I would just. No, I would. It just doesn't fit. Exactly. It's just really out of place. It's like, why are they playing this? This doesn't make any sense. I mean, and apparently, uh, he and the. I can't think of the guy's name off the top of my head, and I apologize for that. But uh, Justin Hayworth and another guy who was like his producer or producer of the music or something did all the score as well. And apparently everybody hates that, too. (laughs) I don't recall hearing any music through the course of this episode except for the theme song. Yeah, I don't remember it either. So it didn't grate like fingernails on a chalkboard. Which is what some of the descriptions I read make it sound like, it but wasn't it as, did not grab me like Star Wars or it wasn't as blaringly obvious like uh, some episodes of Doctor Who, with the incident yeah. music. It's like, oh, geez, no, just turn that down a little bit. Sea Devils, anyone? Yeah, and, lay off the uh, synthesizer, please. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, we got the music out of the way because it <laughs> yeah. definitely is one that we have to. That we have to mention, and I'm afraid yeah. we're there for it for the long haul on the show as well. Well, my mute button works pretty well. <sighs> it's quite long too. Yeah, I think I think the first I think segment, it's just it was they bad. played the whole damn tune. Well, over the murders, didn't they? Um, yes, which was confusing, yeah. but you know, you know, each their own style, I guess. I I did so. To the uh, the staging of the episode, I did like the dichotomy between the two parallel murders. I, you know, the fact that they were basically the same thing, one in space, one in war- water. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it was like a brilliant masterstroke, but, you know, when it became apparent that this was, these were two murders happening, I don't know if they're supposed to be simultaneous or just... Just showing them us simultaneously. But. Uh, showing the guy was, it was uh, the the Earth murder was something that apparently uh, had happened a while back. So I think uh, Spring's boss told him not to bother with it, if I remember right. He definitely told him not to do it. Um, right, because the computer said it's like it the wasn't. Computer but says it was exactly. I kind of got the impression there at the beginning that Spring was looking at the screen that was showing a recording. Of them pulling the body out of the water. I assume that was relatively recent. And then, you know, Lincoln said, oh, well, yeah, but it looks like it's an accidental drowning. So computer says that. So let's leave it. So I don't know. I guess guess it could have been an old case. Um, But it didn't seem like it, it was. But then on the other hand, the Spaceman case could have been relatively old. Since they were... True. Yeah, either way. But... Well, you have, you have to keep up your percentages on that. I though. do understand that they were supposed to be, there was supposed to be a stylistic choice of everything on Earth being shot on film and everything on in space being shot on video with the intent of having that be a clear visual delineation because... Wow, okay. But they didn't do that. So that was one of those points of contention between... Uh, Boucher and and other people on the show. <laughs> so, so I guess they just did the usual combination of 
yeah, video whenever we want, film whenever we want kind of thing. Or, you know, film outside and video inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the uh, the video conferencing system they had. That uh, Oh, the big wall when he was doing the interview? That and even in the very beginning when he's looking at the murder. Because he's got the uh, the video playback of the uh, uh, the murder investigation in one window. And then in another one, he's got uh, teleconferencing with his... Uh, assistant or, you know, with oh, the, right. the, the other detective. And uh, it looked like the the video was actually, uh, whatever was controlling it was kind of doing it smartly, mm-hmm. like bringing the conversation that was happening in real time to the big picture and then shrinking down the, the video playback. You mean like, like Google that. Hangouts? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Only perhaps or, a little know, more intelligently. Properly implemented smart boards and stuff for education and things like that that you see yeah. today. Yeah. Which I thought, I, oh, that's not bad. Good job on that. Yeah. And and I think the show did a fair job of trying to represent space accurately. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Trying to do uh, weightlessness is always a, you know, a pain. Very pleased that after they did one full rotation at the beginning that they stopped rotating the camera. Oh, <laughs> yeah. To uh, to get the uh, the effect when he was unsettled and just on the station at the beginning, they were just they did a three hundred and sixty turn slowly as they were shooting that, and I'm just like, oh, please tell me this show isn't going to do that all the time. Because <laughs> no, I think that was that it was bothered me a bit. stylistically, visually. Well, it, it was yeah. I think it was meant to to bother you. Mm-hmm. To convey that he's really, you know, uh, unsettled by the whole thing. He's he's not quite uh, got his space legs yeah. yet. Yeah. And will he ever get his space legs? Yeah, probably. Um, Maybe. <laughs> so of the Star Cops, we only meet the two. Um, Spring mm-hmm. and Thoreau. David Thoreau. Mm-hmm. And he's apparently an American. It, it's really funny how I just totally didn't notice that. I didn't. It's because really? it's because that's the default oh, yeah. brain accent to me, I think. So he's talking and he's like, okay, he's he's talking. Okay. Oh. <laughs> da-da, 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 da-da. And then suddenly he says, oh, so you're an American. Why aren't you in NASA? It's like, oh, that's right. He is speaking with an American accent. <laughs> I, I automatically switch to Canadian mm. when I hear somebody in a British television program that has a non-British accent. It's not European. Yeah, I'm not sure why, but I don't know. It's I think it's I have a I've always had a suspicion. I know we you and I literally talked about this last week on Space 1999's <laughs> uh, the big finish thing. I think because even um the guy who played Ed Straker, I can't think of the actor's name right off the top of my head, but who played Ed Straker yeah, has Bishop. a slightly odd accent. Bishop, Ed, Ed Bishop. Bishop. Yep. And he I think if you live in Britain, that your accent begins to drift Canadian. That's possible. I think that's an actual thing. I know mine. I know mine goes wonky. I mean, I spent two weeks in England, and by the end of it, people were asking me if I was from Australia. <laughs> it's like I, I wasn't intentionally trying to pretend to be an Australian or British for that matter, but apparently, it did not take long for my 
speech patterns to alter enough that it didn't sound American anymore. And and it hmm. could be like that for us. We hear them and we hear Canadian because it is American, but it isn't quite American. Right. It's got little inflections here and there that you don't normally hear. A, don't you know? And yeah. <laughs> they didn't say that. It's all about that, yeah. And, and, yeah. And... Um, <laughs> So we introduce him. He's apparently apparently these star cops are part time. Yeah, they have regular jobs, and then they have a part time job. And I don't know if it came out in the interview or whether I read it, but basically, uh, Spring's job is to make star cops a full time police force. Ah, okay, yes. And I, you know, I I don't know. Would that would that make sense? Here you are in the frontier. You don't have policemen. Did that happen in the old West? Did they have somebody who'd be a rancher and they'd say, "Okay, and now you're uh, you're sheriff part time too"? I I think that's actually yeah, quite possibly true. true. I mean, yeah, right? if, you're not you're not you... the full time sheriff. You're the rancher who also does the sheriffing. Right until they can get uh, you know proper funding for the position, you know, which might not happen uh, to your territory exactly or need it. If, if you have ten people in a town, do you really need a full time sheriff? Right, exactly. Probably not. And I got no understanding of how big the De Gaulle station was. Five people? Fifty? We didn't see many. Uh, I don't think fact, there can be saw... many people from the, the outside shots of it. We saw two. Yeah, well, just Plus going the by dead the, people. the size of the habitation, uh, or the habitat, I would say that maybe 20 people? It looked as big as ISS, at least. Bigger. Yeah, they got six people guess. on there. Yeah, there's yeah. more uh, more cylinders uh, on the Charles de Gaulle than the ISS has. So I can see how on it. Maybe that's, you know, maybe that'll be part of the upcoming stories about how he's trying to make these people cops. But in this case, Thoreau is not a cop, but he's he's got that instinct for murder. So he's a good recruit for the first, uh, for the first go-around. One thing that I thought was a little... Bad. Uh, is bad the right word for it? How about not as not as convincing hard science fiction was Box the computer? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's AI was doing. It was still too good. Right, doing a remarkably good job of of doing just completely. Uh, uh, oh, what's the proper it was term kind of for it? Like ORAC or K nine, like free expressions almost. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. It's it was very, uh, very human assistant like. Yeah. It, it was. I mean, just try, just try saying, "Hey Siri, turn off all my lights," and see what happens. As <laughs> yeah. Thousands of podcast listeners are now plunged into the darkness. But <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it 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 doesn't work. And Google's AI may be better, but it doesn't work that level. And yes, this is the future, but it just doesn't, not only does it not feel like it's right, they make a point of saying that it's kind of a a rarity. It's an incredibly expensive computer rarity. Right, and very expensive. So yeah. that makes it a thing that Spring has, like an ORAC from Blake 7, yep. that gives him an advantage over other people because he's got the computer right he can analyze huge amounts of data in seconds which oddly enough if you if like all the crimes are being analyzed to see whether or not they're a crime being analyzed by computers 
You would think that something would, like box would be pretty common. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and you wonder what can he do? Can he hack the computers too, or is it just that there's in 1987 they never occurred to them that people would implement security protocols? Because their right. Computers? Well, why would you have that? I mean, next thing you'll I mean, be using AI. Information should be free. <laughs> exactly. Next thing out, you're going to start using AIs to predict when you can do safe murders. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or cause war with the Russians. Or yeah. yeah. Who, who knew it would be the Russians? God, never mind. We won't go there either. I shall not <laughs> pick on the Russians today. Um, what else have we got here? I love the line, I always preferred Sherlock Holmes to Dan Dare. Oh, that was nice. I like that too. Sherlock Holmes, well known to audiences, everyone. Dan Dare, maybe not as much outside so much. the UK and possibly the colonies. Or devotees of Eagle magazine. Kind of like Tom Swift, but in space. Yes. I found I found a box set of Tom Swift novels that I had around the house. I didn't even realize it. The oh, other wow. Day. I know. <laughs> I know. I also learned, I also I, learned I just, something fascinating that the, uh, the, the TASER. Yeah, I was just going to say the acronym for TASER is Tom Swift's electric rifle or electric gun. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. Tom A. Smith, I believe is his actual name. So that's where they got yeah. D-A-S, I believe. Rightful, yeah. So you and I must have seen that in the same place then, because I yeah, just saw that this was, week uh, like, somewhere. I don't know where. Talking about um, uh, the, the something the anniversary of tasers. Oh, it must have been a YouTube video that, that came up. Yeah, I, I, I heard mine on uh, Canadian Broadcasting, so huh. the CBC. Weird. Synchronicity. <laughs> Synchronicity. Yep. Um, so I don't know that I have a whole lot about this. Obviously, Spring's a wily cop. Uh, yep. He solves the mystery. There's a lot of running back and forth. I mean, that's that's really, I think, the problem with this episode. I think that maybe, I don't want to say that it should have been longer because that's kind of, you know, you don't take an episode that you enjoyed, but perhaps seemed a little light on content say if it had only been two episodes long they really could have packed in the the details <laughs> yeah but it does kind of feel like i don't know bits of it seem like they they're trying to get they're trying to get the dynamic of the getting him up to the base and the murder and it almost feels like maybe those should have been two sto different stories yeah, it, they, you know pilot, I mean? they Yeah, they tried to put a lot of stuff in one bucket for the Pilot first episode. Itis. Exactly. Yes. Except they didn't make it longer. So, yeah. yeah. Um so I I am looking forward to the next episode. I don't know that I'm I have a whole heck of a lot to Oh, McDonald Douglas got a shout out. Oh, for the uh, uh the water tanks stuff. Of the, yeah, and I think the centrifuge as well. Nice. They did consult, you know, with like uh NASA people and stuff to try to get the science right. not, not science journalists? No, no, apparently um, apparently oh, wow. I and a an Mr. astronaut Burke as well. Busy that week. I can't remember which one. Oh really? Uh, an, ah, an American moon lunar astronaut. Oh wow. Who's the third man on the moon? Ah. Uh isn't that suck? Collins? One and two, easy. Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and then hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Sorry guys. 
I, I feel like I've let you down, but I don't know who they are. I remember the last man on the moon was Colonel Steve Austin, but... Yes, yes, definitely. Apollo yep. 14, was it? No, no, 16, 18, <laughs> I don't know which one it was. The show itself, apparently, was hoped to be sort of a replacement for Doctor Who. Oh, huh. This is the era when the BBC was doing its damnedest, specifically Michael Gray, to kill yeah. Doctor Who. Wow, and they thought that the fans would really like this? Interesting. Wow, totally not understanding your demographic there. Yeah. Well, there is a there is a, uh, a quote somewhere from Chris Boucher analyzing. This show didn't last. It's nine episodes. Yeah. I'm going to say. It's not gone on for 30 years, despite the fact that, I kid you not, Big Finish is making – uh, new series <laughs> wow. of it now, but but <laughs> I think they're on their third box set. And Chris Boucher did make a comment to the effect of it was for fans of murder mysteries or detective stories or cop shows. It was a little too out there, right? And for fans of science yep. fiction, it was too much cop show. Yeah. And it exactly. just never found the right demographic. And I guess it got put in a terrible, terrible time slot. And it just did not do well. But subsequently, and, and a lot of people don't like the show. A lot of people do not like the show. Um, but as time has gone by, it's been given a little bit more of a, a, a look back. And people are kind of looking at, yeah, you know, actually... It wasn't as bad as all that. There's some good stuff. That in fact, I have a I have a quote here from uh, Time Screen magazine that describes this as quote one of the most refreshing telefantasy series for years. Wow. So, um, you know that's high praise indeed. So, um, I hope the author of that uh, quote uh, still think so when we're done with the show <laughs> anyway um do you have anything else i i really i really don't um no not really i'm kind of curious to see what's going to happen in the future with uh you know how are they going to uh you know uh, adapt crimes to space um uh, are we going to see any other space stations uh you know what types of ships are going to come and dock because I kind of a little, uh, you know, uh, old west uh, stagecoach stop type feel to it for some reason. I bet they're going to be all space shuttles because this is the heyday of the whole. I don't know. There was a the, that Russian ship that that departed was just a series of uh, like domes, oh, like geodesic dome type things with uh, an engine module in the back. You know, very functional. That's looking. true. So that would obviously be a space. Shuttle, right? A little, literally, exactly like between space stations. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. In fact, that was probably the uh, uh, Russian uh, PLSS servicing team coming to drop off some uh, refurbished packs. Oh, PLSS uh, personal life support system. Yeah, mm. or backpack, as they call it, or backpack. Exactly. <laughs> you know the the business part in, of your spacesuit. <laughs> Yeah, the other stuff just keeps stuff out and keeps the air in and stuff. But then the backpack does all the work. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. That that may have been slightly overly simplistic on it. 
its explanation. Uh, Accurate on a very gross level, yes. I guess at a very very broad stroke level. (laughs) Yeah, and I think, you know, I... You know from pictures of the show, if you've seen any pictures of the show, that there actually is a cast of cops, including that Australian woman that we saw briefly on the video monitor oh, yeah, was going yeah. on about playing poker. Um, we know she's a regular. Huh. And there's there's another guy, balding guy with a bad porn stash. Um, Great. That, that's going to be in it. And so I'm... I'm kind of wondering if this is a little more serialized so that we're going to be getting we're going to be getting uh you know the characters coming in as he's trying to build this police force which could take up several episodes obviously yeah that's unless next week he just goes out on a recruitment drive and gets them all in and then i hope that's not the case yeah so just as long as he's not spending next week shuttling back and forth with his girlfriend down on earth (laughs) That's going to get old fast. <laughs> it might. Depends on how much uh, human interest that they wanted to put into the series. Yeah, I, 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 in a way, I kind of feel like we should have seen them finish it off because it's so obviously done. It's so obviously over yeah. between the two of them. Yeah. And yet they just stop short of giving us that scene where she said, I'm not going to be waiting for you. Yeah, exactly. And you wouldn't have noticed if I was because you keep taking me to the same bad restaurant. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I don't even know. See how, how poorly I, I've looked this up. I don't know the name of the next episode uh, on the, in the line. But it's episode two. Uh, and we'll Star be looking Donuts. at that uh, when, we, when we come back to Star Cops. John, thank you for joining me. Oh, you're very welcome. Listeners. I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at fusionpatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.